when you first got to the varsity football team at Coppell, who was the first person to kick your butt or, or what was that welcome to varsity moment? Uh, I remember my first, at least the most vivid memory of like, welcome to varsity. Yeah. Uh, I was playing scout team. So yeah, I, was playing, yeah. I was, I was not, I, I didn't even realize I was playing scout team. I was running scout team, punt team. Uh, <laughs> and they were working on their punt return. Yeah. So, you know, I knew to have my head on a swivel and, right, you know, right. It's not really full go. They walk through. So I'm jogging down the field. Um, They have a wall set up. I see the wall set up. So I'm like, all right, you know, shut it down right here. I'm looking at one guy that's going to block me. Well, little I know the other guy that I'm not staring at, uh, Brandon Spencer, he's a coach now at Plano West, just tattooed me. And next (laughs) thing I know, I'm on my back and it felt like the entire varsity team is just standing over me and yeah, just yeah. like, you got knocked out. <laughs> that was kind of my first welcome to varsity. Like, okay, these guys are different. Right. <laughs> so that was, uh, I would say that was probably my first welcome to varsity moment, you know, and then there's a lot of guys that, um, you know, I, I was with a good group of guys, uh, senior group, that really encouraged me to, you know, ball out and practice every day and push them and, and do all that. Um, but there was also a corner. His name was Cole McDonough. Okay. Not have been a corner. I mean, the next year he was a junior. So the next year he, they moved into linebacker. Yeah. Big oh, stout dude. Yeah. That, but he was so strong. So he would press on the line. And I just remember feeling, feeling helpless, like a right. little kid going yeah. against his dad or older brother. <laughs> Yeah. Put him off the line where it got to the point where he was like, just tell me it's a pass. If you tell me it's a pass, I'll let you run your route. So <laughs> it's one of those situations where every time you line up, you had to go tell him to play. Otherwise, <laughs> he was just going to abuse you. Uh, so, yeah, Cole was <laughs> me back in the day, too. So those were kind of my two welcome to varsity moments. It always feel like I need one more boy and one more line. Record the track just one more time. My family think I bumped my head, lost my mind, insuring them. I'm just fine. I'm good enough, but I need one more boy and one more line. Record the track just one more time. My family think I bumped my head, lost my mind, insuring them. I'm just fine. I'm good enough, but I need one more boy and one more line. Record the track just one more time. My family think I bumped my head. Lost my mind, insuring them, I'm just fine, I'm good enough But you be told I need some therapy Initially ain't do it voluntarily, but now I got a legacy All right, welcome back to another brand new edition of the Team Player Pat Podcast I'm fired up for this one, this is an old friend of mine This is episode number 28 He is now the special teams coordinator Along with coaching the tight ends and slot receivers at the Mesquite High School Welcome, Eric Sean to the show I appreciate it. I appreciate it for having me, Q. I mean, yes, sir. Uh, yes, sir. If you're a part of the team player movement, please make sure to take those 10 seconds to give us that five star review. We've got a, we've got a, like 50 of them total now. So I'm really happy with it. You guys have done awesome. But if you haven't done that yet, please give the review. That's going to help our, our, our podcast pop up when people search for sports podcasts, hear these awesome stories like Eshawn's story we're about to get into. Um, hit that follow button. That way you subscribe to the podcast. It'll be a new one in your queue every Sunday at 2 p.m. I got a new episode waiting for you. You can, I'm your host, James Kovaleski. You can follow me on Twitter at coach underscore Kovo. That's coach underscore K-O-V-O. 
And aside from that, let's dive into it. You are not a native Texan. Most of our guests are Texans. You grew up in Ellicott City, Maryland, just outside of Baltimore, but then you moved to Coppell, Texas. That's where, that's where I remember, you know, kind of knowing your background from uh, going into the summer, going into seventh grade, which is summer of 99. So let's just start from the very beginning. Eric, what was it like growing up in the Baltimore area? Uh, man, it, it was good. I loved it. You know, I miss it. Uh, but I feel like I'm, I'm a native Texan now. Mm-hmm. Um, it was different. You know, the biggest thing that kind of stands out was uh, there weren't any middle school sports. Oh, really? like that. So when I moved to Texas, I was like, oh, well, let's go. You know, yeah. um, all my, I had a lot of family out there in Texas, big baseball town. Yeah. Football wasn't big. Lacrosse was huge. Right. So the high school yeah, right. I would have went to, the boys had won four or five consecutive uh, state championship. The girls were like undefeated for like 12 years. Yeah. You know, big time division one, going to big time division one programs, Duke, Maryland, Johns Hopkins, Syracuse, you know, it was a lacrosse powerhouse, which probably would have been the direction I would have uh, moved to if I, I stayed in Maryland. But I was a baseball player. I was a basketball player. Um, and then sixth grade, we had a move. So ended up coming down to Texas. Uh, and then everything changed. <laughs> yeah. Like you said, I mean, every person that leaves from another place, you get to that point in your life where you've lived longer in Texas or, or you're, you've lived longer in your new home than your old home. So that, that's happened for you. So you, you kind of consider yourself a Texan now? I do. I mean, I still yeah. definitely, I rep, I rep Maryland. I rep love Baltimore. It. I love it. I love it. Yeah. You know, huge, huge fans. And, um, but I've definitely, you know, I, I, my roots are here now. I, my family's here. I've been here for definitely more than half my life now. Right. So right. De- I, I consider myself a Texan now. Yeah, absolutely, man. We're so glad that you, that you came. And so you, like you said, you, you settled in Coppell. So you were a Coppell cowboy. Uh, once you got to high school, uh, you were coached by Mike Fuller. You played football, basketball, and baseball. So you just like coaches love, man, you are a three sport athlete. Um, let's talk about, let's dive into that a little bit. So when you, you know, Coppell, this, that's a pretty good football and that that's in a really tough part of the, the Metroplex or you were kind of had some heavy hitters in your district. So just, just talk to us, just your, your memories of being a student athlete at Coppell. Uh, I loved it. I mean, I loved it. There was just so many great athletes, not only in our campus, but like you said, we played mm-hmm. great athletes, you know, South Lake was our rival. Right. At the time. Right. Right. Uh, everything we played football, basketball, baseball. I remember South Lake, that was the game we had to win. Um, and that was the same time they were, we, we just moved up to five A. That was our, my freshman year was our first year in 5A. Uh, same with Southlake. They had just moved up to 5A as well. But Coppell, um, kind of right before I, I got into high school, started to get rolling in sports a little bit because there was a drought for about 20 years. They didn't make the playoffs in football. Right. Uh, always a good baseball team, right, uh, right. baseball community. Uh, basketball was pretty good, too. Um, so it was just really competitive you know, across the board. I don't know that any sports we were bad at. I mean, while I was at Coppell, I know uh, our softball team won state, our soccer team won state, our baseball team had recently won state. Football was being success- successful. A few years later, volleyball won state. So um, pretty good pedigree, pretty good pedigree of athletes come out of there. Um, so great program, great place to grow up, great place to have your kids. Yeah. Uh, you know, and they're, and they're starting to make some moves now with, I know they just hired a new football coach um, that's really starting to bring the program back to where it used to be. 
were you were you one of and I, I may be making this up, Ishan, but I could have sworn were, were you like one of the first in the state to get like a really nice indoor facility or, or was it something about your facilities that was kind of unique? Yeah, yeah. So my freshman year, they built a brand new. Well, we were one of the first two schools. Us and Highland Park were the first two schools to get field turf in the DFW. That's true. Okay. Yep. Uh, we also built a freaking awesome um, indoor. So we yeah, had a huge yeah. weight room that I haven't seen any weight room as big as the weight room that we had at Coppell right. uh, that they still have now. Yeah. And then we have forty yard indoor. So you know, Coppell is right by Valley Ranch where the Cowboys used mm-hmm. to. Mm-hmm. we had an indoor before the cowboys did so yeah. there were times during the day during the school day where it would be raining the cowboys would come over and practice our facilities mm-hmm. so that was in the troy and emmett days yeah and, and and you know we'd sneak over during lunch and look through a little window trying to catch a glimpse of their practice so that's awesome that's pretty cool and then now they've even expanded it more and they have a hundred yard indoor so anytime those national championship games come down here, I mean, Clemson's practice at Coppell, yeah. uh, Alabama, you know, Ohio State, all those schools come down because it's one of the top indoor facilities in the area. For you sure. know, and I find that so interesting, Eric, because, you know, I've, I coached down here in the Houston area for 11 years. There's a difference between Metroplex football and Houston area football in terms of the facilities, you know, because up there. I don't, I don't know if I, I don't know if it's accurate for me to say that it's commonplace, but it's fairly common. I know like you described Coppell. I remember even at Sherman high school, they had, it was smaller and it was kind of just like a barn, but it was an indoor. And I know my brother coached at Princeton, you know, they're in the Metroplex. That's, that's not a big town. I think, what are they four a division two or something? Not, not a big school. They had a great indoor facility. When I think of the Houston area landscape, uh, Ishan, I don't know if I think of anyone that actually has a true like indoor facility like that, even the heavy hitters out here. So that's, that's something definitely to keep keep our eyes on and watch for if, if Houston can kind of narrow that arms gap a little bit, so to speak, in terms of the facilities. But definitely tip my cap to y'all up there for that. It's definitely something that continues to grow. I know Richardson ISD, the entire ISD, I don't know, five high schools, they all have indoors. Wow, yeah. Arlington ISD all has indoors. I was at Joshua. They had an indoor Burleson. Uh, Mesquite, we're actually start, about to build a uh, pavilion. So a 100-yard pavilion. Um, okay at least i think they're transitioning i don't know what they're doing but that's yeah, what I, that's great and i mean i get it maybe maybe you could argue you guys get a little bit more inclement weather in terms of the extreme cold maybe that's the reason but you know we, we get bad weather down here in houston too and it, it you know so and it rains like crazy and you don't have to go to the gym right and no coach loves having to practice in the gym but uh i think it all comes in stages you know in houston we're starting to see like everybody's starting to get their at least their practice fields turfed now you know, so maybe that's the first step before let's get people indoors now and, and things of that nature. So, yeah. But uh, as far as, you know, I'm interested because you said you said you didn't have middle school sports in Baltimore. Mm-hmm. And you go from that to playing like in one of the most Coppell playing against South Lake Carroll. I mean, you're playing like the most competitive football in the nation, honestly speaking, to be honest with you. So how did you go from having like no I'm assuming you probably played some kind of club or whatever th- things, but like you had no formalized competitive athletics at your school to jumping into the hornet's nest how was how that transition for you um you know it was it was something where i was the new kid so right. the biggest thing for me at the time what i thought about was you know i, I want to make some friends you yeah, know? yeah 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 you know so that was the big thing for me so um what was funny was my mom never wanted me to play football. 
Right. She was afraid. I, I had never played tackle football up to this point. So the only organized sports I've played up to this point were, um, was, was, oh, hold on one second. The only organized sports I played up to this point was, was baseball, a few years of, you know, just little league baseball and, and a few years of basketball. Right. But I got to Texas. I was like, well, it's Texas. Yeah. Everyone plays football. I'd always been a football player. We played backyard football. Right. Right. Um, but I was like, you know what? I, you know, and I was a pretty good athlete growing up too. So I was like, you know, I, I, I was confident in my abilities. Right. Uh, but the big thing was like, I got to make friends, <laughs> you yeah. know, I'm new to this town. I haven't met anyone yet. Uh, I got to meet some people. So I was just trying not to embarrass myself. Right. Uh, but, you know, I was a pretty good receiver. I could catch the ball. Yeah. So I remember my first day, they're like, all right, you know, if you want to play receiver, go over there. If you want to play the offensive line, go over there. Running backs over there, quarterbacks over there, and then tight end over there. And um, so I was about to go to the receiver line. And I don't know, probably 50 kids went over there. I was like, man, you know, it's going to be hard to make my name a name for myself over there. So I look over the tight end line and I wasn't a big kid. Uh, and there were some pretty big tight ends there, but I was like, you know what, I'll, you know, I, I can do it. So those maybe 10 kids went to the tight end line. So I was like, yeah. I'm going to go tight end. Smart. You know? <laughs> <laughs> so I ended up playing tight end in middle school, um, seventh and eighth grade. And I think it was great because, well, one, I got to play more. You know, there was mm. only, like I said, eight. I think we had two teams and those maybe three or four tight ends on our team. Um, but I feel like it probably made me a little tougher. You oh, know? yeah. Yeah. Was another, you know, we talk about welcome to uh, varsity. Well, I, I remember uh, my welcome to Texas football. Added football. Yeah. Yeah. yeah absolutely. In middle school. And yes. I know the dude. There's some headhunters at Hunters in middle school, too. And it's sometimes because oh, some kids man. are developing so fast, it's almost even more dangerous. <laughs> and everyone just knows how to play. Everyone right, knows right. how to hear. Uh, I remember two quick stories. Uh, first time in the shoot. Yep. yep. I, and, and, and there was another tight end that was my size. Like, I mean, I don't know. I was probably 5'10, 130 at the time. Right. Well, right. not 5'10, probably not 5'8. Yeah. Uh, so we were the two smallest tight ends. And every day we'd do a blocking, like a board drill. Right. And right. would pop me. But, you know, I try to be tough and just, you know, yeah. don't say anything. Just, yeah. Yeah. you know, um, I'll go next. Uh, but he hit me out the shoot. And I don't know what happened, but I just went flying like, little giants i went <laughs> back on my butt like so embarrassed yeah um, he still teases me about it you know to this day where i'm just like i don't know how you did that dude like yeah. I don't know. <laughs> you know y'all they just knew how to hit at that point and yeah. knew how to play football and everyone's right. been playing football for years yeah and i kind of pick it up on the fly so uh that was my welcome to yeah. football moment yeah you know, and Eric is funny because we have like a really similar background in that regard. My mom also d did not allow me to play football and I begged and I grew up in Texas. I'm growing up in this and I'm begging and begging and begging. Finally, in seventh grade is when she caved and said, OK, so I never got to play peewee like I wanted to. But another interesting thing about us that the listeners may not know from looking at our name or whatever, if was, um, we're both Asian of Asian American descent, you know, so uh, my mom is, is Japanese and I actually was born in Tokyo. Uh, so I'm half Japanese and I believe you're of Korean descent of your parents, you know? And so I think Eric, and I don't want to speak for, you, I'll let you speak in a minute, but I think for guys like you and me, we don't really realize what race we are when we're in it. You know, we're just playing football with our buddies. So we don't even think about it. But then again, when I zoom out and look at it, 
there's not a lot of Asians that I see as coaches or players, at least that I, in my life that I grew up with and played with. And so I wonder sometimes if for some Asian American students that maybe are interested in, in joining, maybe they don't see a lot of people that look like them and maybe that deters them. It didn't stop you and me. We were wired that way that we wanted to do it. But I wonder about that sometimes. I'm curious your take on that. Do you, do you feel like representation matters? Like I'm, I'm so big on what the Hispanic Texas High School uh, Football Coaches Association is doing. I'm so proud of everything that like, they've grown that organization so quickly. But at least for us, you know, Asian Americans, I'm curious your, your thoughts on that, on, on that whole dynamic with football and Asian Americans. Um, it's, I was lucky because I went to Coppell and it's a pretty good Asian community. Yeah. Uh, I know one of my best friends is we played ball together. He's also Korean. Yeah. You know, old lineman too. So yeah. big old Korean. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, we graduated together, played football together. I, I think I had another three or four Asians on the team with me. Yeah. Which is super unique, right? Yeah, like, it is. Because honestly, since I've been coaching for 12 years now, I don't, less than a handful of Asian co- uh, kids I've coached. Right. So it was definitely something um, unique, you know, at the yeah. time. Uh, to have that many Asian on a team for me personally, you know, especially playing receiver corner, like it was something that I was always conscious of, Right. you know, saying I was always conscious of, it was something where I was always felt like it was, it was a chip on my shoulder. It was kind of like my my mambo mentality, like, you know, end of the day, like, you know, I remember, so here's a quick story. I remember walking in, it was a basketball game. So I'm walking in in the basketball game and the other team's already sitting in the bleachers. Yeah. So we're all walking by and, and this is just a little thing. They didn't say nothing about me, but they're like, uh, one of my teammates walked by, they're like, oh, I bet he's the best player. You know, mm-hmm. and then I'm walking by, like they don't even know I'm a player. Right. So I right. take that personally and I'm like, yeah. all right, you know, I'll yeah. show you. Yeah. I'm going to show you he's the best player on this team. And that was kind of always my mentality when I walked on the field where I had a chip and I had to gain respect whenever I walked on the field, you know, and I think that's something I've carried on to my career as far as, cause you're talking about this Asian community is, is such a small group of coaches, right. That's, you know, I feel like got to do it right. You know, I got to yeah, represent, yeah. Um, I got to represent for the Asian community to an extent and, and make sure like I'm always being the best coach I can be and always, always striving to be better. So I feel like, um, it was something for me that I used to my advantage. Yeah. I try to use my advantage, but I know a lot of other, you know, Asian kids that I grew up with, um, didn't have the same mentality, didn't have the same support sure. um, and just, you know, shied away from sports, you know, yeah. use it as well, because of this, I can't do this where it was never my mentality. Um, yeah. So it's different. It's definitely different, but I do see it growing. I do see the Asian community growing a little bit. Yeah. Uh, I feel like in Houston, I feel like Houston, there's, there's a lot more Asian coaches than. It's starting. Yeah. And, and like Clements high school is a great example. Clements high school in Fort Bend ISD. It's in my home district. Some of my best Derek Ruthart is the offensive coordinator, a guy, you know, well, yes, you know? Sir. they've had a huge turnaround, but that they have a very high East Asian and South Asian population. So it is kind of cool to look at their roster. It's kind of like what you described. I mean, there are multiple um, Korean, Chinese uh, descent uh, players playing corner. They have a corner, you know, that, that, that I believe is Chinese. And so that's, it's pretty cool. Because again, like you said, across the landscape, you don't, you don't see that. But um, I'm interested in the coaching aspect of it. 
Have you ever thought about trying to start a professional organization, kind of like the Hispanic Texas High School Football Coach Association did? Because I, I would love to become a part of that and and support that. You know, because I I don't know. It's just it's just something I haven't seen. But there's definitely there's some great Asian American coaches out there. Right. That's definitely something I I, I have thought about that. You know, yeah. that's definitely something I want to get started. Um, you know, especially with now you're saying you know BCA is blown up. You know. The Hispanic Coaches Association has blown up. Yeah. Uh, so that's something I, I, you know, I've been meaning to talk to, and I kind of got some people already interested, and yeah. um, so I just kind of want to grow the community a little bit more, or at least find them. Yeah. <laughs> yeah I, I know agree. they're out there, so find them. You know, I'm gonna talk to Coach Lynn. Uh, you know, I know Coach Lynn and Coach Chris are kind of one of the big founders of BCA, and kind of just see yeah. how they went about it. And, right how they started their organization and moving from there. But that's definitely something that uh, Sonia, me and Alan, my buddy I was talking about, grew up playing high school with. Uh, that's definitely something we've talked about for a long time. Or we feel like, all right, well, we, we can, we need to pull together the Asian community of coaches, you know, however big that is and, and just kind of start our own organization. So I definitely yeah. want to get that started so, sooner than later. Cool. Um, you said that because I, I was already kind of in the works of going down to coaching school this weekend that's great perfect time yeah i'll be i'm rooting for you man and you know as far as for listeners that maybe don't like i think for a lot of asian a lot of asian americans like our parents just maybe they have different priorities a lot of times it's very academically driven that's how my mom was i'm sure your parents are the same way and okay. so sports can be left behind so th that's that's kind of the difference is maybe we're not growing up in a home where the parents are big, long times generations of sports fans. So, you know, I think that that can be the difference, but I think that coaches can help change that tide. Right. You know, right. like coaches, like what you're trying to organize, if they can give Asian American kids a, a fun, great experience in athletics. And then once those kids are hooked, they're going to pass it on to their kids. And now, now, now we're rolling, you know, right. and we're seeing everybody playing. So, Hey, that's right. great, man. And uh, the cool, funny thing is we both had a laugh about this. Both of our moms knew nothing about football and didn't want us to play. And now they're like the biggest fans. Right. <laughs> I know you were saying that about your mom. I know my mom is in the stands screaming at the top of her lungs, cheering and everybody, you know, loves her. So just any, anything you want to say just to, to your mom's uh, turn around there as a fan. Yeah. I mean, like it was great. Just, I mean, you're a hundred percent right about how you said, you know, my parents knew nothing about football right. when I first started playing, which, you know, which is a blessing at times too, because my parents came to every game. Yeah. You know, but they weren't trying to coach me out there at the end of the game. Yeah. All they say is I love you, great job, you know, and support yep. me yep. Uh, at that point. So which was great, you know, because that's you know, that's um, uh, you know, we talk about all the time, coaches in the sense, stuff like that, but I don't get into that. But uh, yeah. yeah, once I got into college and I wasn't home all the time and and they were, you know, empty nesters, mm -hmm. uh, my mom started watching ESPN all the time and watching football all the time. And I would call her. And she asked me, you know, I, I remember her asking me, Brett Favre, is he going to retire or what? <laughs> yes. You know, and she's asking me stuff like that. And even now, you know, she's going to tell me, oh, you know, what time's the Ravens game? We'll talk about uh, yeah. more and stuff like that. So it's, it's, she's definitely, it's grown on her. Um, and she's a huge sports fan now, which is really cool. Oh my God. Yeah. I love that story, Eric. And like, I, the same thing with my mom. She'll call me on a Saturday, be like, are you watching the Michigan game? <laughs> <You know? laughs> just, oh, man, it's just great. But that that's the beauty of sports to me. And I, that's, all, that's why I love this podcast. Just Let's just promote all the positivity, you know, going on in sports. But, you know, going back to Coppell, um, 
you, you said your wide receiver coach was Gary Robinson. And so yep. the connection there is you actually were able to follow him into your first two coaching jobs, which we'll get to that in one second, but I'm, I'm curious, just, I like to talk about rivalries. You mentioned South Lake was the rival. I, I, I know like they're obviously extremely elite level. Were you ever able to, to steal one against the dragons in your career? Uh, at the varsity level, they were no varsity yeah. level. No, uh, we had some really good games, you know, my junior year. So, and this was, they were loaded back then too. Yeah. I mean, yeah. they are who they are. They're South Lake. They're always pretty loaded, but this was, um, I want to say my junior year, <clears throat> Chase Watson was the quarterback, mm-hmm. you know, so setting all kinds of state records. Um, they had Chase Daniel playing slot receiver. Yep. Uh, Scott Chandler on the outside just loaded across the board and they were unstoppable. Like, yeah. I think we rolled to the state championship. Uh, my senior year, uh, we we battled with them. I think in our game, it was the last game of the season for the district championship. Uh, Chase Daniel was playing quarterback at this point. Uh, kind of new set of receivers, but still really good. I think in the off, the game had like 1,200 yards of offense. You know, yeah. I had a pretty good game. Yeah. My running back rushed for like 250. Yeah. Uh, ended up losing by 12 at the end. But, yeah. you know, we had some good battles with them. Now, leading up, which is crazy, is leading up in uh, junior high and sub varsities, we would dominate them. Really? Yeah. So, you know, but yeah, how it is, you know, it's not about that. Right. You know, the better guys are already up, but like we, right. we consistently won at the lower levels um, against them and pretty easily. <laughs> it's not easily. I don't want to say that. Yeah. Uh, but, but just consistently had success against them in football, yeah. basketball, baseball. And I don't know what it was, but um, you know, once they get all their guys out there, they're, they're really hard. They're to tough. Beat. No, I've always been a huge fan of uh, South Lake Carroll for sure. And then you took, you know, you took your talents up, up I-75 North straight to Sherman, you know, and that, that's where we met. And I'm, I'm just curious, you know, cause I would like to ask this question. Did, how did you discover Austin college? You know, uh, were you, were, were you aware of it before you started getting recruited? And did you know for sure you wanted Austin college or was there like a final three that you narrowed it down to just what was kind of like your decision-making process uh, going into college? um i i had heard of austin college mm-hmm. uh a kid that was a year older than me chris miller i don't know if you ever met him uh he went up to ac for a year he played his freshman year there and i think he ended up leaving after a year because he okay. never there with them so that was the only reason i kind of heard of it um but i had talked to a few schools um but no one was really offering money yeah. and then it's austin college and i know everyone says d3 doesn't offer scholarships but I mean, they still can offer a yeah. lot of money to you. So right. um, I talked with Coach Dawson at the time, mm-hmm. uh, took a trip, applied, filled everything out. Um, they come back with financial aid plan. Uh, my mom, my parents, little I know, they, they've been doing a lot of research too. That's awesome. And my mom was like, well, that's one of the best schools, you know, in yeah. the country you can go to, yeah. you know? So, and then, and then, and then she saw, and then it came back with, the money she was like oh you need to go there that's awesome you know so that's yeah. just kind of how it worked out she was like no that's where you're going just like you were saying earlier you know asian mom like academics were yeah the only thing she cared about right so and she was like well that's the best school you can go to so that's where you're going and that's kind of just how that worked yeah. out um, yes yeah. 
That's awesome. So you came, you came onto the scene and I, I, I believe I was a senior when you came as a freshman, you quickly inserted yourself as a difference maker. I mean, I remember you instantly, you were able to insert yourself when we're running in a kind of a spread offense at the time, you had a really successful freshman year. And then your sophomore year, I stayed on to, as a graduate assistant and we had a coaching change. So uh, David Norman moved to a different role within the athletic department, who was, you know, my coach for throughout my career, Ronnie Gage came in. And, and if you know the name Ronnie Gage in the Metroplex, you've heard of the Louisville fighting farmers and you know, they run a, a, a flex bone triple option style of offense. And I remember coaching the receivers and I can only imagine <clears throat> difficult for a receiver. And I, I felt for you guys and, you know, and, and you guys worked hard and, you know, we, 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 we played hard, worked hard, but I can only imagine what it's like for a receiver to go from a spread offense. You're kind of, you know, you're coming in as a freshman in the spread offense. And then you go into a, a flex bone option offense where, you know, if we're doing what we're supposed to do, you maybe you're only throwing it five times a game potentially, you know? Right. And so I know receivers want to get the ball. Yes. You know, you've, you're proud of your blocking, but you, you want the ball. So I'm sure. So just kind of describe to me or for the fans listening or whatever, you know, like what, what was that like, you know, coming in as a freshman, having a really good freshman breakout year as a, on a spread offense and going into a different style of offense as a sophomore. Right. It was, um, so actually I think we, I think we played two years together. Did we? I think, I get the years mixed. Yeah, maybe it was. Year, you played tight end your senior year, right? That's right. Yeah. I was like, oh, okay. So we did. So it was yeah. my junior year when I was the, uh, the right tackle. That's when you had breakout freshman year. That's, yeah, that's so correct. Okay. So year, two years. Yeah. So it's your junior year was when I was coaching. Okay. So I'm, I'm still saying that that's almost even tougher. Now you've had two years of kind of getting into your rhythm in a certain style of offense. Then it, then it changes, you know, now you're at halfway through your career. So what was that like? It was, it was, it wasn't easy at the time, yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. uh, it was, yeah. Cause well, you know, another reason I came to Austin college was they were transitioning to the spread. So my yeah. freshman year. So I was like, you know what, like, this is, great opportunity for me too yeah. where I got to you know start as a freshman and play a bunch um and then my my sophomore year I, I was kind of the dude you know you were like I, you, you I was, and then I yeah I, I I talked about your freshman breakout year we really kind of made a mark from your sophomore year on you were the lead receiver at least my recollection you were our yeah. lead receiver at Austin College absolutely yeah. so I mean my sophomore year I had 60 something catches mm -hmm. you know had a blast you know should have won a lot yeah. more games but caught a ton, ton of balls. Yeah. Um, so it was a lot of fun. And then coach Norman stepped down, coach Gage came in, uh, we switched offenses. And at that, I, you know, I knew we played, we played Louisville in high school. You were too. very familiar. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> they were in our district. So yeah. Yeah. Know, he brought in uh, Ross and KB who I played against. That's right. Yeah. Kent Bell. Yeah. Yeah. So I, you know, I knew to an extent, but um, I also knew the potential of having a good receiver in that offense. Correct. Correct. Like, hey, 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 Calvin Johnson played at Georgia Tech in that same offense. Right. Like, so I, was, I see where you're going with this. Yeah, I like that. <laughs> so I still, you know, thought, I was like, hey, you know, I can really help. Like, because yeah. I can be that guy. You know, it's going to be one-on-one -on -one now. Like, Correct. I know that. Correct. Yeah. So, Take a shot. Yeah. Right. So I still, you know, I, I wanted – to be a factor, you know, my game kind of changed a little bit. I ended up more as a punt returner and trying to make a factor there and any yeah. other way I could get on the field. Uh, but it was tough transition. Um, and, you know, I'm a football guy, so I understand, you know, from I, like I'm from Baltimore, right? Yeah. I'm a Ravens fan. Yeah. We run the ball and play great defense, I, right? It is a winning formula. I, I get it's you. A it's a winning formula. formula. So I 100% like was on board. You know, yeah. I was like, I get it. Like, we can run the ball. I love that. Yep. Get some big shots, all, uh, you know, in the past game. 
Uh, unfortunately, it didn't really work out like that. We didn't, you know, so I ended yeah. up going from 60 catches my sophomore year to like 18, my junior right. and senior year. Yeah. Uh, but it was still, you know, I just try to make the most of it, you know. Yeah. And I, I mean, you still, you still were the lead guy. I mean, I know right. it wasn't. You, it wasn't what you had accomplished in terms of receptions, but you were the you were our guy when we were going to take a shot that we took a shot with. Right. You, know, you, can, you can hang your head on that, but I, yeah, I, I definitely understand where you're coming from. But I love and I can see that how you became such a great coach, and that the way your mind was processing that, like you understood, maybe this is what gives Austin College the best chance to win right now. Right. You know, and so yeah, so I'm, yeah, so any other any other thoughts on on, on that that kind of transition? Um. <laughs> No, I mean, it was just, it was, did it help you as a coach? I'm curious. Do you think it helped you as a coach kind of getting to see like a drastically different style of offense or, or any, well, let's, let's phrase it that way. Like that you, it's a, it's a unique experience. Most people listening probably have never played in a flex bone triple option offense, right? That that's the reality of it. You know, it's very, you know, few schools that run it. So you have a unique experience there. Do you, what, what could you draw from that to, to help you in your coaching career? You know, um, it was just different styles of coaching, you know, it's yeah. the bigness at that sex uh, that I can remember at the time. I didn't know I wanted to be a coach. So I wasn't really looking at X's and O's. Okay. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Like, um, but, you know, coach Gage and coach Norman, you know, two great, great, great men that I look up yeah. to um, just different styles of coaching, different ways, you know, of attacking yeah. Yeah. Uh, just more than one way to, win a game you know that's right yeah that's my big thing i guess there's not you know there's more than one way to do this um there's more than one way to coach yeah uh, so that that was probably my biggest takeaways of that at the time yeah. you know look back now uh man the, the other thing i remember is smash <laughs> <laughs> smash qb power suite or, or power suite with the qb lean through the hole um uh, you know and i still Bingo. talk about and it's it's so funny. We're recording this on July 16th, but I, I have already pre-recorded an episode with James Gage, the yeah. son of Ronnie Gage, which you may have known a little bit. He played baseball at Hardin Simmons yeah, and he would come to Austin College a little bit. Yes, you probably ran across him, uh, but he's now the head coach at Alvin down here in the Houston area. Yep. And um, I brought up Smash. I was kind of, yeah. I, I kind of brought it up to him and he goes, Oh yeah. You know, with that was, that was my dad's uh, favorite <clears> play. And his, his old line coach, Bill Petrosky, if you remember coach Petrosky, yeah, smash was his baby. Yeah. I think yeah. Ronnie coach Gage liked to run the veer, but, but, uh, smash was, uh, old Bill Petrosky's favorite play. So that you have a great yeah. memory there, Eric, you're spot on yeah. of all that description. <laughs> it's funny. Uh, you know, coach every year at, at coaching school, you know, and just kind of sh- how great coach Gage is, uh, every year at coaching school, even now that he's retired, we have a coach gauge get together. Oh, that's uh, awesome. Yeah. Everyone that he's coached and, you know, or has coached with him that's in the profession. We all meet up. Coach Gage meets up. We take a picture every year. Um, you know, and he's definitely someone that's been a mentor to me as well. Um, so I mean, I love Coach Gage and great guy. And um, you know, I see Ross there every year. I see KB there every oh not KB, I see uh James there and just a lot of really good dudes part of his coaching tree which is pretty impressive yeah you know so it, it's that's another pretty cool thing coming up here I guess next week yeah you know and you know like I honestly thinking about the option like I was kind of talking about this in the James Gage episode when I was coaching Aldean I 
seriously thought about putting in that offense. I seriously thought about it. I mean, my career record as a head coach, Eric was two and 18. We went yeah. two and eight, my first year and 0 and 10, my second year, you know, and, and I didn't meet my, I didn't meet the expectation. I didn't meet my expectation. And so now, you know, <laughs> it happened. Right. But I was considering after that first year, cause I came in wanting to run the spread. That was my thought, but the, here's the deal. Yes. We were, we were having some games. We're putting up 28, 35 points. That's, that's not bad for a two and eight team. Problem was they're we're giving up 70, <laughs> you know? So I kind of find out if you start picking up that tempo and you start turning into a shootout, well, the other team's going to start shooting too, <laughs> you know? And uh, so we lost some games like that. And I started thinking exactly what you're talking about, Eric. I was like, we need to slow this game down for us to pull off these upsets. We need less snaps, right? We need to control the ball. We don't, we don't have depth. I need to slow it down. I've got guys playing both sides. I, you know, those factors came into play and I was like, what better way to do it than the flex bone plus the added advantage of nobody sees this. Right. Teams are going to struggle to defend this early on, especially. And so I actually went down and, and met with Richard Whitaker. He's a longtime head coach in Port Lavaca, Calhoun, like way down the coast. And yeah. uh, anyhow, we studied and studied it, but we just weren't quite ready because in order to implement that kind of offense, I think you need really good coaches that really know it like a Ronnie Gage and a, and a coach, Bill Petrosky, right? You need those kinds of, we just weren't quite comfortable, but um, I could see it happen. And one, one last thing I want to say about the option offense. I remember coach Gage showing us video because he won two state championships at Louisville. I'm sure you, you know that being a Metroplex guy. The game against Judson, I had I thought it was a game against MacArthur, but it's actually a game against Judson. I, I had uh, James Gage verify this for me. They won a state championship and threw the ball zero times. Yeah. Let me say that again. They won the state championship and threw it zero times, and the score was 58-24. to 24. And so that's where uh, Ronnie Gage always kind of had a little twinkle in his eye. Like to him, an option offense is not like a slow it down. Let's win seven to nothing. I mean, you could score with that thing too. Right. <laughs> you know? yeah. And I, I think in that Aldean MacArthur game, it was a closer game. Uh, I guess that was in 90, what, 93. So I have the notes here. I'm trying to look up, but they actually ran a two minute drill to win that game on the ground, all the way <laughs> running the option, running a successful two minute drill to win a state championship. So it can be done. So I know both you and I both huge fans of uh, Ronnie Gage. So you know, kudos to him, a great career. And uh, yeah. So last thing, I guess on Austin College, I wanted to ask you, Eric, I've been keeping stats. It's kind of surprising to me. I have the best coaches in the country coming onto this show. 70% of my coaches that have come on this show, when they stepped on, when they stepped foot onto their college campus, they did not know they were going to be a coach. They were yeah. thinking they were going to do something else. 70% of them thought they're going to do something else. So that tells me it's never too late. If you've got that passion inside you for kids and coaching, it's never too late. But you told you, you said you didn't know you want to be a coach. So I'm just curious, Eric, when you stepped foot onto Austin college in Sherman, what did you think your career path was going to be? Um, I, I really didn't know, but I, I knew I was pretty good with numbers. You know, I figured yeah. business was the way to go. So yeah, I mean, yeah. I'm a business major, uh, poli sci minor you yeah. know and just kind of like, hey, i'll figure this out uh but yeah i had no idea i had no idea that i wanted to be a coach um and i guess kind of leading into the next thing coach so i graduated i got a job in sales um but coach robinson you know my receiver coach yeah had called me and was like hey you know can you do a receiver camp for me and so I ended up, that was kind of my first experience coaching. And I did a receiver camp of maybe 10 kids for them uh, up at Crum. And that was just kind of, you know, and then from there, he just kind of pushed me and pushed me and pushed me. And I was like, eventually I was like, all right, I'll give it a shot. 
you know, loved it ever since. I didn't know that, Eric. I, I did not know that you had an, another job out of school before coaching. I just, I thought you had just gone straight into it. Yeah. So, okay. So, so yeah, just working those camps, you kind of re, you discovered your love uh, for coaching and you were there in crumb. Yeah. Uh, you were the wide receiver, you're coaching wide receivers, DBs, and you, you eventually became the defensive coordinator as well, which is that's extremely impressive. You know, it sounds like you're able to do that pretty quickly there in your first coaching stop. And uh, so crumb, I had to, I had to look this up. I'm not, I'm not a Metroplex guy, but it's west of Denton, just west of Denton. So about 40 minutes North of the Metroplex uh, just for our listeners that may not know crumb. So what was it like? I know it's a big step becoming a coordinator. I remember my progression. I also was fortunate to become a defensive coordinator pretty long, young, like you did. What was that progression like to go from an assistant to a defensive coordinator? Um, it was, I, I was really lucky because the DC that I had been learning under and, you know, had, had kind of taken me under his wing for so many years at Crum. I think I ended up, I was a position coach for six years at Crum and ended up being a coordinator. Mm-hmm. Um, but the DC was still there. Oh, okay. Yeah. He kind of, you know, it was just kind of a lot of work and he yeah. ended up stepping down, but still being there to help me. Wow. That's so, great. Yeah. Yeah, that really helped me a lot. Um, so it was it was a fun transition. It wasn't probably anything like I thought it would be, you know, and I thought I could do this and this and this. And, you know, I got all these ideas in my head. End of the day, like we got to line up and learn how to play football. You know, yeah. that's kind of what it always starts with. So if you can't line up and tackle, right, then, yeah. then we got to go back to the basics before I start just, you know, piling stuff on y'all and make y'all do a bunch Bingo. of things. That- Absolutely. <laughs> so really i just had to really take it back and, and go back to fundamentals and, and you know learn to be a solid football player uh, across the board and that's probably something i'm still not the strongest you know you know i had to learn to become a stronger coach at that point right uh, especially since now i have i was a dv coach i coached the secondary now i have my hands on everything yeah so i had to learn pretty quick you know um more than what I knew about sure. line play, linebacker play, you know, and all that. So um, it was good for me. It was really good for me. Uh, like I said, I was lucky to still have the DC coach Baker, Richard Baker was still there. Mm-hmm. Um, the staff didn't really change either. So really that defensive staff was still there. All we did was change who the DC was. So there was a lot of just, um, familiar familiarity there and just um you know we knew those kids so it was it was a good transition yeah because i mean we we have a lot of similarities also where you and i both we as players we were both offensive players the majority of my career i was a tackle i was an offensive tackle in high school and in austin college you know when you came in there i was playing right tackle you were a receiver so we're both offensive players that eventually when our coaching career came around we we ascended to defensive coordinator we both did we were the inverse though you know, I, I knew the line play in the front. I had to learn secondary stuff. And then you were just the opposite. You know, you, you knew the secondary, Pat, but you had to learn, like, you know, how to fit run fits and things like that. So kind of interesting. Well, so your, your background as an offensive player, becoming a defensive coordinator, do you feel like that helped you in any kind of way just to, to have seen both sides? Absolutely. I think so. You know, just kind of understanding what they want to do. Um, just kind of going back a little bit further, Q, um, talked about earlier, my, my best friend from high school, you know, the other Korean player, yeah. Alan. Oh, well, he got into coaching too. 
uh, at the same time as I did. Actually, he started a year before me in Oklahoma. He was looking for a job. Like I said, Coach Robinson was looking for coaches. So I, I put Allen on with Coach Robinson. So Allen and I got to work together at Crum. So we were together at Crum for the whole entirety of the time. Um, but he was the offense coordinator. Wow. That, dude, that's pretty cool. Yeah. So that is, that, that's, the, how often we, I mean, we talked about the, the Asian American coaching community. How often both coordinators were Asian Americans? Right. Asian Americans. That, that is yeah. awesome. And Eric, I got to admit, I got to, I'm embarrassed. It's a big boo boo, but I, I always thought Alan was your brother. Cause I, he would come <laughs> to Sherman, right? Cause I remember he'd be like, yeah. he'd be there with your parents after the game and hanging out. So I just totally just my, my fault for assuming, I just thought that was your brother. But that's actually your, your, your buddy and high school teammate. Yeah. Yeah. So, cool. uh, yeah. So, and, and we worked together and we're still really good friends now, but he was the OC, you know, early on, he actually got the OC job pretty early on there. I was working for him. Uh, but how I transitioned to the defensive side, well, one, uh, you know, I was the receiver coach under my former receiver coach. Yeah. Right. So yeah. I don't know if y'all have ever been part of that dynamic, but it's always like, you know, that's his baby. You're his baby. Coach. I've never his quite baby. had that. No, that's, that's, yeah. So, yeah. yeah. So it was, it was, it, it was, a it was a lot. <laughs> and then defensively, you know, like I said, I'm from Baltimore. I'm a Ravens fan, like yeah. defense wins championships. Right. I, you know, I believe that from the beginning, um, I always felt like as an offensive player, I played with a defensive mentality, yeah. you know, you gotta be a little bit more dog. You gotta be right. a little bit more all that. So um, that's how I ended up transitioning to the DC side. Um, so yeah, that, that, that's kind of quick story of how I ended up on that side. You, you know, one thing I was interested, you, I, you told me at crumb, you started the football program. Yeah. I thought that was interesting. Cause usually like, you know, it's like a suburban place where they're adding new schools, but I, I'm imagine crumb is like a one horse town. So it's kind of surprising me that they built a new high school in, in crumb or was there not a high school there before? What, what's the whole backstory on how, how you started a football program? Yeah. So I actually got in on the second or third year, but um, crumb had, has been there forever. Right. It's, um, you know, it's a basketball powerhouse back in the day it was, I don't know how many state championships it's had, it has, but it was, it's a basketball town and they okay. never had football. They just never had football. Interesting. Okay. Never I did, did not know yeah. that. Yeah. So, um, Eventually they passed a bond and um, uh, approved football. And it was interesting because not everyone was, you know, on board with it. You know, there's still a lot of people that wanted it to be a basketball community, but uh, the kids, the kids wanted it. Right. Right. And they were ready for it. Um, So yeah, this, we started in coach Robinson credits, coach Robinson. He started it, the program, you know, a lot of like um, a lot of schools start, you know, they're going to just, sign everyone up we'll go to uil in the next two years and start playing ball and take you know it's a tough transition you know you've seen i know ponder started football at the same time they did that's what they did you know guy went that same route coach robinson no we're gonna do this the right way we're gonna you know develop these kids and make sure they're ready to play so he started with seventh and eighth graders smart only seventh and eighth graders and then they didn't play varsity football until their juniors and seniors as far as uil football goes right so he coached them as seventh and eighth graders. I got there when they were freshmen and sophomores. So freshmen and sophomore years. Now that's our, that's our baby. That's our varsity team at that point. So they yep. got coached like a varsity team for four years. Um, 
uh, which really helped them. But we ended up playing um, like a just a independent schedule, and then we played an uh, we played an independent schedule with like four or five varsity games. The next year we got an independent schedule with ten varsity games, and then by their junior year they're battle tested, ready to go played varsity football you know really as mm -hmm. freshmen and sophomores so that junior senior year um group you know we came in that first year of uil picked last in district to finish yeah. last in district yeah and we went nine and oh wow you know, <laughs> nine and oh. yeah shocked everyone uh last game of the season we're playing gainesville for the district championship and we lost to them on the last play of the game. Wow. So, yeah. So it was, Gainesville. That's yeah. a that's a long time historic. Yeah. Yeah. That's incredible. I mean, they, they a couple of state championships in the name. They oh, had. Yeah. Uh, uh, yeah. They had some dudes on their team. Mm -hmm. um, so yeah, it was pretty cool. And then we ended up playing Salina in the first round of the playoffs. Right. So it was really cool because we got to build these transitions. You know, Coach Robinson wrote the school song fight song you know yeah, he yeah. he designed the field house all that um <clears throat> so it was really cool i mean it was differently uh, i was probably spoiled to an extent yeah. where you know these kids didn't have bad habits you know everything they did was learned for the first time um we didn't have to break anything you know right. a lot of success and early on um where it was a lot of fun um ended up i don't know ended up going three four rounds deep a couple years later i mean we made yeah. the playoffs the first four or five years of the program um it was just an awesome it was a lot of fun and a great way to kind of start my career yeah kind of hooked and you know small town so you know the whole town gets on board and you know a lot of support and ended up um ended up you know the whole town ended up supporting the team and didn't really have that fight anymore that's so unique. It's so unique because you're the first person I've met because I mean, you know, many of us have been part of starting new schools, right? But it's a brand new school and we start football programs. I did that at Ridgepoint. But you're, you're the first person I've ever met that's been in a school that's been around for, you know, decades and decades, but then they started football. So that's, that's pretty cool, man. Honestly, really cool experience. And, I, you know, I'm, I'm sure it kind of helped that the kids had a winning mentality because the basketball team was so good. So they were already winners, but now they just, they learned football and you guys did it the right way from the from seventh grade I, I just i love it so then after crumb though you flip all the way down to the other side of the metroplex so you were you were north of, of fort worth and now uh, you flip directly uh, to the south side there you're 30 minutes south of fort worth uh in joshua and i, I learned i learned in episode 22 of carlessa dixon i got to be careful how i describe things because <laughs> I, I made the comment that duncanville was in south dallas because it's, it's in the southern part of dallas and she quickly corrected me and I said, no, there's only two schools in South Dallas. That's Lincoln and uh, uh, what was the other school? Madison. She's like, it's yeah. Lincoln and Madison, only two South Dallas. But I said, I'm so sorry. I'm, from, I'm a Houstonian. <laughs> so I don't want to offend when I'm describing this geography here. Uh, but basically, Joshua is its own town, but it, it is located south of Fort Worth. Right. right. South, south of County, yeah. uh, south of Fort Worth, about 30 minutes, just like you said, um, between Cleburne and Burleson. Yeah. Uh, um, 5A school, yeah. you know, moved up a little bit. Yeah. Um, but very similar community to Crumb. Yeah. You know, same type of kids, same type of community. Um, but yeah, Johnson County, 
Johnson yeah. County. There's a lot of pride in Johnson County. Absolutely. <laughs> so I'm curious. So what what was the what what transpired? Because I mean, while you're at Joshua, you have an incredible resume there. You were the DC, the OC, and assistant AD in your time at Joshua. So what was that? Was that the like what what led you to go to Joshua after so much success at Crum? Were you, were you just seeing that that uh, ability to grow in, in your career and and you know ex- gain experience with new roles? Right. Well, you know that. Yes. Um, it was for me kind of like the next step as a coach, kind of move right. up to a bigger school, right. um, be, a, you know, obviously more coordinator experience. Uh, but coach Robinson who started the program at, at crumb ended up getting the head job at Joshua. So he brought me down to be his DC. Um, and then the school is kind of expanding at the same time. So he got the job because the former coach head coach was head coach slash ad well the head coach went straight to an ad role Mm. so coach robinson slid in as the head football coach Mm -hmm. then that ad left so coach robinson is like well i've done it you know i can do both i I was the head football coach and ad Mm -hmm. um so he kind of slid back into that head football ad role yeah but at the same time joshua had made that decision because it's a lot of work for, right. you know, at a 5A school to do both. So yeah. I just kind of lucked out where they're like, what we're going to do is we're going to add another assistant AD spot. Yeah. So I just, I don't know. I just lucked out. That's uh, a great, yeah. Especially, I mean, you're, you're younger, I mean, you're, you know, or I guess you and I were getting older right. <laughs> at that time. And you were really a young coach that, that was, that's, that's awesome. That's excellent, man. To gain that yeah. Experience. So it was cool. I mean, like it was great experience, um just kind of to to be able to start learning that side of high school athletics um, and just kind of working with all programs which I love so it was a lot of fun I enjoyed it a lot Um, but yeah he brought me in to be his DC Uh, he brought in his OC we you know did our thing for two years uh, and then the OC left so and the OC was more of a spread RPO guy uh, which, you know, was great. You know, we had some guys for it, but coach Robinson wanted to do more, uh, you know, just some more QB read and stuff like that. Uh, and he was like, well, you know, the offense that we run, like, you know, the offense I want to run, uh, you know, you can do it, like call the offense. So wow. then, like, yeah. Uh, okay. Let yeah. me give it a shot. So, uh, I ended up being OC the last year there, um, and just transitioning from back to the offensive side and it was a lot of fun. And, and now I've kind of, you know, forgot how much I loved offense. Yeah. And now I'm back on the offensive side, just loving it again. You're one of the few coaches that we've had on the show that's done offensive coordinator and defensive coordinator. I can think another one would be Jimmy Hammond. He's the head coach at KD Seven Lakes now. Uh, yeah. But but he was an OC first and then became a DC at Ridgepoint uh, after I had left. So I'm just curious, since you've done both, what are your thoughts? I mean, was, uh, was there one you preferred over the other? Um, I mean, I really love them both, but right now, you know, offense, you get to dictate so much more on the offensive side than yeah. you do on the defensive side Yeah, where, um, you know, defensively, you just got to do a lot more reacting and, and, right. and you, know, uh, you can do your, your fair amount of, of dictating the game as well. But offensively, I just feel like you're more in control of the entire game. Right? I would agree with you, man. I, I listen to a lot of coaching podcasts and I've heard some high school defensive coordinators kind of talk about like, I don't want to say defense is harder, but 
what I'll say is that, like you described, you have to prepare for every single situation. You have to be ready for it. All the, how are we going to adjust to this formation? How are we going to fit up this, this counterplay? You know, and it's just a lot. Cause I remember, you know, at Ridgepoint when I was a DC, the offensive coach would finish typically far before us you yeah. know, on, on Sunday or whatever, you know, so like, you know, we're finishing much later and going home, it's dark outside, you know? And so I'm just, uh, was that kind of your experience too, where you felt like on the weekends that the game planning became shorter when you're on the offensive side of the ball or. Um, yeah, I think I probably, so, you know, like I was, I was at that point, I was used to working. So it's like, yeah. I'm going to make the most of my time, but yeah, I felt like defensively, like I got to watch every play. Yeah. I can't miss anything. Like That's I got to right. see they ran, you know, they set up this trick play or That's what right. trick plays they've run. And I can't get caught on something like that. And, yep. and I felt like that was definitely uh, just, you know, versus offensively, you know, I'm still trying to watch every play, but like, okay, that's how you're going to line up. Okay. That's how you're going to line up. Right. Okay. That's right. where you're bringing right. pressure from. Um, and you just kind of get a better understanding of what they're trying to do a little quicker. Sure. I think so. Sure. So then you, now you've had really tons of experience. I mean, you, you, your resume is impressive, honestly speaking, John, man. It really is cool how much you've been able to, to experience, uh, you know, in your career. You come back to uh, – you come back with an old friend, you know, an old Austin College kangaroo. He's a team player alum. His episode uh, – I've already recorded it. It'll be coming out shortly. Uh, yeah. But, you know, Demarcus Harris, Mace, you know, our guy, you know. And uh, so what was that – just to describe that. You know, you were obviously you're, – you're in a really high position at Joshua. So what was it – what led up to, to joining Mace to, to head over to Mesquite High School in his first uh, foray into head coaching? Right. Well, you know, so he was the D.C. for so long at Richardson, Seguin, mm. Cedar Hill. Yeah. Uh, so when I got the defensive role, I, you know, I reached out to people I knew. So yep. reached out to him. We talked a lot. And it's just kind of something where we always knew we were going to work together. Yeah. Uh, but after the third year, Joshua, the head coach, um coach robinson retired oh okay yeah so it was just kind of like that perfect transition uh and harris was getting interviewing for all these jobs and we're talking yeah so kind of already made a plan like you get a head job like i'm, I'm here i'm coming love it uh, yeah. the mesquite job uh, and, and, and kind of everything kind of full circle just worked out perfect because all this experience that i have now is what he doesn't have Right. So as far as like the assistant AD part of it and yeah. operation part of it, yeah. you know, where I got all the experience for the last three years, it was just kind of perfect. Um, it was just too perfect to, that is perfect. That is perfect. Cause yeah. I, and I, I've sat in that seat that Mace is sitting in, you know, and gosh, that, that, that other, the hat that you put on for the administrative part, way yeah. more difficult than the football. I'm telling Mace knows the X's and O's and defense coaching, you know, but it's the other right. part that can be difficult sometimes. So that's awesome that he's got a right-hand man, you know, that he trusts, you know, and us, that's the cool thing about us Austin college guys, you know, we're all cut from the same cloth. So we just, we trust each other. We love each other and we can really work well together. So man, that is a really cool situation. That, yeah. me, put it that way. That's honestly really cool. So, yeah. So it just kind of worked out perfect for us and it's been great. And I love it. You know, um, he's he's a great guy to work for. Obviously, we known each other for a long time, know what to expect. But it, it's 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 been a great transition for me. So, like I said, up to, up to this point, I'd only worked for one head coach. That's a that's a great point. Yeah, so I'd yeah. worked for one head coach for the entirety of my career for 10, 11 years, and this is my first time working for a new head coach, and it couldn't be more. You know, just worked out as well where I get to use all my experience 
that I had, you know, these past, I actually get to use all this experience, you know, and I'm, you know, and helping my guy, you know, be successful. Man, Ishan, you, you have a really, really nice career. I mean, honestly speaking, now that I reflect on, I look at it here in front of me, like you, you, you've never been in a situation where your hand was forced to go somewhere where you felt like it, it wasn't where you wanted to be. You know, you were following people that you trusted in your high school position coach. Right. You stayed of him all the way. It's just at two stops and two right. very successful stops. And while you were there, you got to ascend to leadership positions. And now right. you have this, when he retires, you get this unique position to join up a great friend of yours and take over. And you guys did great immediately taking him back to the playoffs and having a great season. So it's just, it's been a really nice storybook career for you so far, man. So I'm so happy for you. you but you, you've now pulled off the trifecta, as I call it. You've been a DC and OC. Now you got to add special teams with yeah. coordinator to your, to your resume. That's what you do now at Mesquite. And that's so important. It's mm. so important. You know, um, you hear a lot of coaches say like, it, it's one third of the game, just like offense and defense. Maybe it's not as many plays. There's less plays of it, but it's ex- they're explosive plays. They're extremely like momentum swinging plays. So let's just talk about that. We've already, we talked about your OC versus DC comparison. What about special teams coordinator? Like, what has that been like for you? And how do you like that? I honestly, I love it. I love, okay. I love special teams because now I get a pool from both sides of the football. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah. And we have, you know, um, I get to pick the dudes, right? Coach, you know, Mace, we want to put the dudes on special teams. So it's, my, you know, I get basically fantasy draft, pick who I want. Like, these are the guys I think. You know, obviously there's some yeah. guys you don't want to put on a bunch of special teams. Right, but right. I was like, all right, let's make, load this team up um, and let's get after it. And again, it's, it's uh, obviously, you know, different phases, but um, like we putting dogs on the field, we're trying yeah. to make plays on special teams. We're trying to make a difference on special teams. Uh, we're going for, to block kicks. We're trying to get big returns. We're trying to do all that. Uh, really helped us out quite a few games this last year, so, or this last season. Um, but I will say it's kind of, I would say almost more stressful <laughs> mm-hmm. just because, I mean, like you said, it's a third of the game. It's so important, but it's a few less plays. Right. So it's like those few plays, there's so much like magnified. Oh, get yeah, against magnified. Snack. Yep. Yep. Get a good snack. Good against that. Good against that. Catch the ball. Catch the ball. Catch the ball. <laughs> you know, and it's it's you know, I feel like uh, mistakes are magnified. Absolutely. On, on special teams, but I love it, man. It, it's been a lot of fun, um, and just finding new ways to do things, but um and our district's kind of crazy too like Rockwall, they do crazy stuff and gotta prepare and get ready um but i prepare for it just like i would as the ocdc and try to watch as much film as i can find whatever we can uh take advantage of and just go from there yeah special teams it just it, there's so much pressure like i think of, of, of positions like kickers Nobody thinks about them, but they got all the pressure to make it right. You know? And so people are going to be harping on them if they miss returners. Like you said, what if you muff the punt, you know, is, you know, and it's like that pressure, the deep snapper, nobody knows who that dude is. And when he does his job perfectly, nobody cares. But the one time he sails one, (laughs) everybody's looking at him. So yeah, you're right, man. So I'm curious. Some of those, um, I've always kind of wondered this, those specialist positions, deep snappers kickers punters how do you handle those those are kind of unique right because it's a very specialized skill set that maybe not all of us as coaches have 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 experienced you know what i mean as far as teaching those specific skills so how do you approach that 
is it something where you have guys on your staff that have punted or kicked or deep snapped or, or do you, how do you handle that portion? Like the, the real specialized uh, specialist on, on your unit? Um, well, really, you know, if you think about high school football, really the only real specialized unit is the kicker, right? Yeah. Usually the punter. I mean, if it's not the kicker, it's the quarterback or another yeah. athlete on the team, yeah. you know, I mean, deep snapper is a linebacker or something, yeah. <laughs> you know, some guy, <laughs> you know, that you have on your team. So, um for the snappers and, and stuff like that you just got to find work time in pre-practice post-practice yeah. to get that work in yeah. uh which has been pretty easy transition now you know shout out more ac guys but i, I reach out to my guys all the time to help me yeah. with my specialist so uh when i need help with my punters i'm gonna hit up rushing you know, I that's still man to blast the past. What and he was all like all American, I believe. At one, yeah, I mean, so he, like, he was excellent. Yeah. <laughs> so I I hit I reach out to Clint, but um, that's awesome. Also, I'm so glad you do. That's awesome. Yeah, yeah. Kicker wise, uh, I don't know if you were there with him, Jonathan Hirsch. Yeah, uh, I remember Hirsch. Yeah, he's down. He's from Houston. Uh, where is he now? God, it's. I'll I'll think of it, but he does a kicking school. He has a kicking manual. Yeah. uh AC guy so you know he reaches i reach out to him we talk about it every year you know i'll send him video in practice i'll take video of my kickers send it that's to great him. man yeah uh, but, but he has a whole manual for me you know from uh warm-ups to you know workouts to routines to all that stuff Beautiful. so you know austin college man austin college has, has come out and you know, that's great, man. And that, I, I, this is something we did not talk about when we we're kind of doing our pre-planning for the show. And I, I'm just so happy that you reach out to those guys. Yeah. Absolutely. Austin college coming through clutch. <laughs> yes. Yeah, We've had some great specialists come through Austin college. We really have. So yeah. definitely, definitely yeah. been blessed there. Clint, and then, Hey, go, go ahead. Clint was a beast. He was a beast. And yeah. man, dude, here's the thing, man. Sometimes people see kickers and punters they think oh it's kind of you know whatever little small like weird guy that's not clint rushing clint rushing is a stud six foot four muscle yeah. great athlete and he played yeah. on our baseball team he was a great pitcher i believe yeah he was baseball a team so like that every night yeah like clint rushing was a stud athlete and great punter for sure yeah, he was you know he was at uh i think he's still at coppell but he was coach at coppell well i did not I know he's coaching yeah, I think he's a straight baseball coach now. I think that is awesome. Yeah, he uh, he uh, was doing football at the time, and Capel was playing uh, at Cowboy Stadium. So I was like, "Hey, man, you got to uh, you know see if you can hit the scoreboard for me." <laughs> Dude, pregame. So he's like, "I got you, I got you." So he, I ended up texting him after the game or whatever, and he was like, "Yeah, it was a lot easier than I thought it would be." <laughs> <laughs> so he can still kick. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, man, we're we're all put. I mean, I'm 38 years old. You're a couple years younger than me, so we're in our mid 30s now. Clint's still <laughs> banging oh, up. This was a while back, so this oh, was still 20s. 20s then. Okay, but you know, still, man, you know, that's funny. I was about to bring up the story. I remember one day at practice, us linemen were goofing around. I, I think you know, maybe myself or David Lockett or you know, some some linemen, you know, and we wanted to see if we could catch one of Clint's punts. <laughs> you know, and yeah. man, he just. Boom, and he boomed, and he, because especially to mess with us, he just boomed it as high as he could. And oh my God, that, that that's just something to behold when you see it up in person. Somebody that can really punt a football like that. But wow. yeah, so shout out Clint Rushing for sure. And I'm so glad that you reach out to those, to those guys for that. Love, yeah. love that Hurst put together a kicking manual. That, yeah. that, that's so smart. Like, uh, 
I've actually kind of been talking to my younger brother, Ryan, because my brother, my brother uh, got a scholarship as a deep snapper. He, he went to central Oklahoma division two school and he's a straight deep snapper. And so we've been, we got something in the works for, uh, you know, my, my, I've, I've been encouraging my brother, you should put together some kind of manual just so that coaches have that, you know, just, you know, if you, if, if you are struggling with these stuff, because there's, there's nothing worse that when, when you can't get the snap back there, you know, oh, so yeah. if you're really struggling, that's going to lose games for you. So maybe he might put together something in the future. If you're, if you're in a bad situation, we can get you that his man is deep snapping. Hey, manual, but... you, need, you need to get together with Hirsch. Cause I mean, he's out in Houston. So yeah, he has camps and stuff like that. And damn, perfect. Right? That's great stuff, man. Snapper, snapper kicker camps and everything for sure. But, and last question I had for you, um, as far as at Mesquite, Ishan, your your position group it's kind of unique you're the tight end tight ends and slots coach right. and so it's just a little bit different because you talked you talked about when you were a tight end in middle school like you know that's inline blocking now you know you're right. putting your hand in the dirt you know versus a slot you know you're you're you know you're 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 detached so what's that been like it's I've, i haven't i've never seen or at least and i'm, I'm a defensive guy so maybe i'm just behind the times and i've been out of coaching for a couple of years but i don't often see that tight end slots position grouping so can you kind of describe what's that, what that, what that's been like? Uh, it's been good. It, it really hasn't been too difficult. Um, it's been really good for me as a coach. I'll say that, you know, just kind of being more involved with the, off, uh, with the run game and the yes, O-line. Absolutely. So O-line blocking, you know, that's, you know, that's just the drills and how they do things. Uh, it's been something where I've gotten to really learn some of that, but it's, you know, we, we have a tight end on the field all the time. And we're not subbing them out. So for okay. personnel, he's our other slot. Oh, right? I see. Okay. Slots. And then, you know, we're so he'll play, him. he'll play detached as well. And you move him around this, this particular right. play. Okay. Awesome. Yeah. yeah. But that's just kind of how that worked out. Cause if we're in spread, they're both the slots. Yeah. And then there I just, you know, we move around and do a lot of that. So, you know, we, I've, had, I've been lucky to have some dudes that are smart enough to figure it out, but athletic yeah. enough to do it all. <laughs> yeah. So it's been, cool. Cool. yeah. So, you know, this, this part of the show, Eric, I always like to ask, um, you know, now that I'm out of coaching, I, I do a lot of broadcasting like here in Houston. So I, I still go to three games a weekend, man. I broadcast a Thursday night game, a Friday night game and a Saturday game. Cause I just love it. And I, I almost, I love coaching, but I almost kind of like this better. Cause now I get to go around town and see lots of different games instead of just focus on my team. I get to see my buddies coach and call their games and just make it, make it a professional production for them. And, but now that I'm in the stands or the press boxes, I kind of see some stuff from parents, you know, that I don't like, uh, sometimes, you know, not most parents are good, but you know, I do see some, some negative stuff coming out of the stands. And I, I, earlier in the show, you kind of referenced <clears throat> a little bit about, you know, parents yelling stuff from stands. I don't think that's good for the kid. In my opinion, I understand that they love their kid and that's where it's coming from. It's coming from love for their kid, but like, I don't think that's productive. And I think it takes away from the child's experience. Like you said, it was a strength. It was an advantage for you that your parents didn't know football. So they weren't telling you what to do. They trusted your coaches and just said, Hey, I hope you're having fun and trust your coach. And you say, yes, sir. And no, sir. You know, you know, and so that's my opinion, at least that, you know, parents like your parents actually help, you know, versus the parents that are like so involved and sometimes telling their kids yelling negative stuff at the stands or when they get home yelling at them or this, that, and the other, but I'm just, my, my question is, Eric, you've been coaching for a long time. You've, you've done a lot. What advice would you give to parents to, to give their kids the best possible athletic experience? Ooh, uh, I mean, support your kid, support them, love them. And, and, and that's really all you need to do. You know, let them grow. You know, the greatest thing about sports, about football, is going to let, 
teach you how to be a man. It's going to teach you how to grow up. That's what sports do. Mm -hmm. So let them learn, let them grow. Don't hold them back. Don't, you know, talk to coaches for them, make them do it. Right. You know? Right. Just yes. Support them in decisions that they make, you know, and encourage them to be the best that they can. And, and you know, and, and that's, yeah, like you said, that's the biggest thing. Uh, I was lucky to have that. I mean, it worked out pretty well for me. Um, but just knowing that you had that support was huge for me, you know? So I was, I, that's the biggest thing I would tell parents is just support your kid, just love them, just, you know, help them be the best they can be and, and, and let them grow up. <laughs> I love what you said there, Eric, is like, don't go talk to the coach for them. I mean, um, episode earlier, uh, Christine Danzer, she's a girls basketball coach at Aldine MacArthur down here. She talked about, she's seeing a trend where like, there's becoming more parents that, that don't want their kids to face adversity. Yeah. They're trying to shelter or shield their kids from having these tough conversations. So they go, they go try to handle it for them, right? They go right. to the coach and argue with the coach or talk about playing time or positioning or this, that, and the other. And so I like what you're saying there, that, that maybe you're, you're trying to help your kid, but maybe you're not actually helping when you, when you, when you do that. So I, I love that advice. As far as some, some brushes of fame, man, like you said, you, you've, you've played or coached against a lot of big names. You played against Chase Daniel, of course, South Lake Carroll, Missouri, long NFL career is kind of a, usually a second or third string quarterback He's with the chargers. Now, Garrett Hartley, as a kicker for South Lake Carroll, he was at OU. He won a Super Bowl ring uh, with the uh, New Orleans Saints. You talked about Scott Chandler from South Lake Carroll. He's an Iowa tight end, a fourth-round pick, eight-year NFL career. Uh, you mentioned Jarvis Moss, a Denton Ryan defensive end, number 17 overall pick out of Florida to the Broncos. Uh, Derek Loki, that's a name I definitely remember, another Denton Ryan guy, played a defensive tackle at University of Texas. And then uh, you said you coached against David Moore from Gainesville High School, who uh, was playing last year for the Panthers. And I, I did my research. Uh, he signed up the Bears. He's going to be at camp with the Bears this season uh, okay, out yeah. of East Central Oklahoma. So out of all those guys, that's a long list. Any, any other just little memories or, or things from, from, from those guys? Uh, they're all freaks. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Moss, I remember Moss, uh, he was 6'6", 220, yeah. and ran a 4'4 in high school. Yeah. And I remember just looking up to him in the game like wow like i don't know if i'm supposed to be on the field with you like he was right. huge you know uh funny story loki um uh, I, I held field goals too so yeah. i remember playing against him you know d tackle and receiver we don't run into each other too often yeah hopefully so uh <laughs> but i'm holding a, a field goal and you know i give the signal to snap the ball and I'm looking at the center. He's lined up on the guard. And as soon as the ball snapped, he is the guards on his butt. Right. Right. I don't, I don't know what to do. I'm just going to put this ball down, mm -hmm. <laughs> you know? So I put the ball down, he blocks it. I turn to go get it. He pushes me down, rips my helmet off throws it on the ground, and then recovers the football. And I'm like, Oh, that was different. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Um, yeah, David Moore was a freak. David David was super freaky, especially at the time. Uh, we were a 4A team, mm -hmm. you know, the old 3A, new 4A. Yeah. So he was just a freak show out there playing receiver, corner. And his cousin was on the team, also a freak. Yeah. Went to TCU. Denzel was the quarterback safety. Yeah. So I mean, they were just running around making plays everywhere. But, uh, I mean, all those dudes were just, you know, you knew they were special. And that's, that's one thing you did. Did you know Marvin Nash? 
I didn't, but I heard you were him. young. Yeah, he was he was he was a senior when I was a freshman. So it's not like you would have ever he right. wasn't there when you were at Austin College, but I just didn't I know, know him. That now, right. Yeah. So yeah. eventually you you've connected with him. He's he's a recruiting coordinator at San Marcos, also co-OC. He came on the show and I love what Marvin does. He's Austin College guy, he's smart. You know, yeah. I love what he does here. He when he has his parent meeting about recruiting, he has them come in and t- they look at rosters. So to set some expectations, like, okay, uh, offensive look, tackle. Yeah, let's look at the University of Texas offense. Okay, six, seven, 300. You know, and so <laughs> he shows them the data as far as like what you were saying. These guys are just different. Jimmy yeah. Hammond in his episode talked about he played against Corey Redding, you know, from North Shore that played, uh, you know, at UT and NFL at the Lions. Playing against those guys, those of us have done it, like we just, they're just different, <laughs> you know, and so sometimes when, when parents get think that their kid is D1 when they're not, you know, we're both played division three and there's no shame in that. Division three is really good football. Right. D1 guys are just different. <laughs> you know, they're, they're, you can just sense it. So I totally agree with you on that, Eric. A couple other little cool things from Crumb that, we, that I missed uh, earlier. You also helped coach the girls basketball team to state. Yeah. You want to kind of just talk about that story a little bit, you know, while we have you? Uh, I mean, they were loaded and I was lucky to be a part of that staff. Yeah. Uh, coach D, Coach Lana DeJelia. Mm-hmm. Man, awesome coach. I learned as much from coach, uh, you know, from her yeah. and how she, how to run a program from her and how to hold a standard, uh, how, how to hold a st- high standard for those girls um, that I still translate to what I do now. So, um, but those girls were just special, had played together forever, were really good their junior year, senior year, just kind of had that magical run, um, won some big games made some big shots. I mean, it was just a lot of fun to be a part of. And the community came out and supported us. And it was just pretty awesome, pretty special. Several of these episodes I've talked about, like I I was, I was an offensive lineman that I, in my mind, I was the best offensive lineman hooper that there was at Oscar. You know, I was like an old lineman. I thought I wasn't like a great basketball player, but I could, I could, I could play. I could hand, yeah. I could get into a competitive game with, with, you know, better athletes, better skill kids, you know, at Austin college. And so we talked a lot about that on the Mace episode, which is coming out because Mace is a big time intramural basketball exactly. player. And you were there yeah. too. I remember yeah. you, you were, we were all in it together, man, playing these intramurals, which for us was like our Super Bowl. We were playing hard, trying to win, trying to win these titles. Um, but I'm with you, man. When I was coaching my second sport, I always went to my athletic coordinator. I was like, I want basketball. Yeah, a lot of coaches want to get track, you know, they'd like to get the break after football season or, you know, whatever, maybe tracks just a little different pace. You know, there's not 6am practice for track like there's for basketball a lot of times, but I I always loved coaching basketball. I think I think honestly, Eric, like I have some great football memories, but some of my best memories are from basketball. So it sounds like you're kind of the same way like you really enjoyed your time with basketball. Yeah. Coaching basketball is a lot of fun. It's love it. Yeah, just feel like you control so much more. You know, you control the pace you control, you know, and everything's happening now in real time and you're thinking yeah. a few plays ahead and it's just way fast it's a fast game i really enjoy coaching i haven't got a coach in a few years i try to get mace to let me coach basketball but um <laughs> yeah it, it's i love it man i love hooping i love coaching it i love being around it so it, it was a lot of fun and then you also went to state uh in track as the high jump coach and this this part's really cool i wanted to talk about this a little bit you started the special olympics there mm-hmm. and i just think that's Excellent. So kudos to you, you know, for doing that, but just some, not something you hear every day. It's the first time I've kind of talked about that on our show. So yeah. just, just tell us what, what you did, man. And, uh, starting the special Olympics at there at crumb. Um, it, so, you know, kind of unique 
to crumb and being at a small town, but my first teaching job was second grade resource. Resource name. Okay. Yeah. You've so had the I, most interesting career. You've done it. Like, all, every, <laughs> this is that. crazy. I love it. Uh, but yeah, so I started as a second grade resource teacher. And then what's crazy is that actually it was my second group of kids I ever taught that graduated this year. So, but it was kind of, for me, I wanted to know, you know, what else can we do for these kids, you know, outside of the classroom and, and, you know, I'm a coach, so I want to get kids involved in sports and all that. And I see, you know, these kids want to play sports. So it ended up being just a lot of fundraising uh, and then ended up getting, going to a few track meets, uh, just kind of seeing how other schools do it. And luckily those already a big community up there. So Hanger had a team, Gainesville had a team uh shoot who else we had a keller team come up but just a lot of people there already had special olympic teams i already had great kids and people that wanted to be involved so it's just kind of worked out perfect and um you know i'm happy to say it's still going on they're still having their meets uh you know it's been a huge success and i mean it's a big deal to those kids so uh it's just kind of awesome to see it grow from where it started Absolutely. And kind of like last little fun fact, you were, you graduated with Corey Kluber as a raised pitcher now and a long, long time. I mean, you know, like I said, we're, we're, we're 36 years old now for, for your yeah. grade. So he's had a long MLB career. So what was, what was that like uh, being a, a high school classmate of Corey Kluber? Like I said, Coppell was a baseball town, yeah. you know, big baseball community. Corey played football uh, as a freshman oh, okay. and was a freak. I mean, yeah. six, yeah. four D yeah. and, faster, stronger than everyone. Just like we're talking yeah. about all yeah. these D1 dudes, professional yeah. athlete yeah. is different, right? Absolutely. So he was a freak. Uh, I mean, he was a full grown man as a freshman, beard, yeah. you know, throwing 90 plus as a freshman. Yeah. Um, but, you know, just wasn't completely developed as a pitcher yet. Um, it actually took him a long time to make it to the pros. I don't think he made it to the pros till like 26, 27. Yeah. yeah. You know, baseball's a funny sport like that. Sure, but yeah. uh, he was a freak. <laughs> like I said, like yeah. all those other dudes, he was a big time dude. And then your favorite teams, as we're kind of wrapping up to the last portion of the show, your favorite teams, you're, you're, you grew up in Maryland, as we talked about earlier. And so I get this a lot, you know, you're a big Ravens fan, but it, you know, it makes sense. You're also an Orioles fan, but you're, you're my first O's fan uh, that's come onto the show. So all the longtime listeners know I collect jerseys. That's my thing. So I am wearing the old Cal Ripken Orioles jersey here in your honor. I love y'all's logo. Yeah. The, the, the Oriole head is, that y'all use now is just, that, that is like the, one of the best logos in sports. Yeah. That's the dirty bird. Yeah. The dirty yeah. bird. Okay. That's yeah. Okay. I like that. Um, <laughs> I've been to Baltimore before. I didn't get to go to a game, but I did walk by Camden Yards. And it's boy, it's cool. There's yeah. live music and bars and like, they do a really great job. Beautiful stadium. Backed up so, to the warehouse. Yeah, exactly. It's cool. Yeah. So very, very cool there. But, you know, now we are going to put you on the hot seat. We're about to do the start bench cuts portion. Ishan, it's brought to you by our good friends at MVP Marketing Group, a turnkey marketing solution for schools. You, you played against Denton Ryan. So you know the name Joey Florence, right? Yeah. Obviously the longtime head coach. Now he's the athletic director. Joey Florence uses MVP marketing group. So if you go to their website, Joey Florence has a testimonial there. What it is, is that they, they'll, they'll help attract sponsors for Denton ISD. So that, okay. that's what Joey's uh, paying them for. Uh, Mike Vogler, the CEO, a good friend of mine, he he'll, he'll put together packages to attract sponsors and help you get money into your athletic program through sponsors. So that's basically what it is. If you're interested, go to the show notes. Mike's contact information is there. Talk to him, see if it's a good fit for your situation. And if you do it, 
uh, you know, he'll give you a team player podcast discount. Just tell him Coach Kobo sent you. So definitely check that out. All right, let's start with that Camden Yards edition. Now, I don't know as much baseball. I, I just know Cal Ripken. I know Manny Machado has been good for you recently, but so I, I, I didn't quite know enough to give you a start bench cut. So I'm going to do the, a Mount Rushmore edition. Mount All Rushmore, right. so just your top four. I'm pretty sure you're going to say Cal Ripken Jr., but who are your top four all-time favorite uh, Baltimore Orioles? Baltimore Orioles. Yeah, yeah. Cal's one. Uh, Brooks Robinson, two. Oh, yeah, I, I like this. You go into the history. Oh, yeah. I love yeah. it. Oh, you are I'm a true a, fan. He okay. He's, he was crazy. Uh, I love it. I love it. Eddie. Yeah, I'd go Cal, Brooks, Eddie, Jim Palmer. Beautiful. Wow. True fan. You now, are the, you are a true O's fan. Is, man, we ain't had really good teams in the last 20 some years. We just that's, went on this 10 game street. That was the first 10 game street for like 20 years. So that's yeah. Yeah. You that's 10 game streak. What you were, the O's, you were a, the O's won 10 in a row. You won 10 in a row. Yeah. They just lost last night. I did not. I missed that, man. I yeah. missed it. Cause the, the AL East is really good this year. Like all yeah. of the teams are good. Yeah. Seriously. It was, I'm, it was the first time the O's were above 500 in like 10 years. Kudos to y'all. Cause I know like before, uh, what was it? Was it in the seventies or the eighties that the O's were really good? Uh, period, right? Really good. Eighties still good. Eighties. Right. So it's, I was born in 84. So I, I was <clears> kind of getting the tail end of it. I don't really like throughout most of my life. I do remember of course, Cal Ripken and setting the record, but like obviously recent history, it's been a, it's been a struggle for the O's, but like I said, I'm, I'm rooting for him. I like Baltimore. I think y'all have great, one of the best logos in pro sports, the Dirty Birds. So I'm, I'm pulling for you guys. Can't stand the Yankees. Don't like the Red Sox. or the. So I, I want Baltimore to win an AL East division. That, we're going to say that here together. We're both rooting for him. You told me that Matt Stepp uh, was an Orioles fan. I had no idea that. Matt Stepp, you know, big time he journalist here. Too. He'll tweet him out and everything. Yeah, so I'll have to tag him whenever we release this episode. But, okay, so last one here. We're gonna. I'm gonna give you the same because Marvin Nash is also a Ravens fan. So I don't know if yeah. you knew that, but Marvin's a huge Ravens fan. So both of y'all Ravens fan. I'm gonna give him the same. Uh, I'm gonna give you the same Ravens edition that I gave to our Austin College OG Marvin Nash, Terrell Suggs, Ray Lewis, Ed Reed. Start bench cut. I know they play different positions, but who do you want in that game? Who are you gonna keep on the bench, and who who would you let go? Start bench cut. Uh, Terrell Suggs, Ray Lewis, Ed Reed. That's crazy. <laughs> I know. Um, my favorite player is Ed Reed. That's that's okay. the guy, right? Yeah. But I mean, if you're gonna start someone, if you need to win a game and you need to start someone, it needs to be Ray. Agreed. I'm with you. Right? Mm-hmm. It's got to be Ray, and I can never cut my favorite player, so I guess I got to cut Suggs. That, hey, same answers Marvin gave. Yeah. And, yeah. And, hey, and Suggs, I, he's a dude. But Suggs was, yeah, he was the man too. So he's the man, but it's tough. Going, going always big play. So yeah, that's tough. But oh yeah. man, Ishan, dude, this has been fun. If if y'all listening, you enjoyed as much as I did. Again, please give us that five star review. That's going to help us so much. Hit the follow button so you can get the new episode in your queue every Sunday at two p.m. You can follow me on Twitter at Coach underscore Kovo, Coach underscore K O V O. Reach out to us. Hit me up on Twitter, or you can email us at teamplayerpodcast at gmail.com. We lift up our own inside of Team Player Nation here. So, like, send me a recommendation. If you know a coach that's made an impact in your life, we'll, I'll go find him. You know, or if you want to come on the show, please reach out. That's all we do here. We're just finding like-minded coaches and celebrating it, celebrating our wins together. So, uh, please do that. Thank you for the support. As always, the cover art and music for the Team Player Podcast are provided by two of my former players. The cover art is by Kaiser St. Cyr. 
in our intro and exit music is one more good enough from Avrion's self-titled debut album. You can find his music on all platforms by searching for Avrion. That's A-V-R-I-O-N. All right, coach. Thank you so much for coming on the show, man. It's been a true pleasure. I appreciate you, man. All right. Thank you so much to all the team players out there for your support. And we'll catch y'all down the road. It always feel like I need one more boy and one more line. Record the track just one more time. My family think I bumped my head, lost my mind, insuring them. I'm just fine. I'm good enough, but I need one more boy and one more line. Record the track just one more time. My family think I bumped my head, lost my mind, insuring them. I'm just fine. I'm good enough, but I need one more boy and one more line. Record the track just one more time. My family think I bumped my head. Lost my mind, insuring them, I'm just fine, I'm good enough. But you be told I need some therapy. Initially ain't do it voluntarily.